alien spacecraft did not crash in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. You know flat earthers, I guarantee it. But you don't know who they are because they're afraid of talking about it. This is not a test. This is your emergency broadcast system. Hello and welcome to the 111th annual Subliminal Deception Podcast, your weekly dose of conspiracy theory bullshit. My name is Cody. I'm joined by my pal Phil. How are you doing? Doing good, buddy. How about yourself? Not doing too bad. It, You know what's weird? We obviously had Memorial Day weekend and so you, most people have a four-day work week, but it feels like longer of a week work week and it's only been two days. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's how I'm feeling right now. Like, I'm just like, Jesus, can Friday get here any faster? Yeah, the days this week, because we just had that four, I had a four-day weekend this past week. So the days this week feel like they are taking two to three days each day. So it feels like I've been already at work for a full four-day week. <laughs> but I am glad that tomorrow is my last day of this week. So that's going to be Did, nice. Wait, so you had a four-day weekend, then you work three days. And then you get a three-day weekend. Damn. Yeah. All right. That's not so bad at all. Yeah, I work four tens, so I work ten hours a day. But it's not bad. Yeah. Um. Okay. So with your Friday off, are you what going to be watching your beloved Phoenix Suns? Yeah. So they actually play on Thursday. So by the time this comes out, people who are actually paying attention will already know if they've eclipsed the Lakers yet they actually did play this is we're recording this on Wednesday they played when they played last night and they beat them by 30 points so they are missing their probably their best player at this point Anthony Davis he went down with an injury in game four but yeah it looks like the Suns might be able to take it but now that I said that I probably just jinxed it so (laughs) not gonna happen here's the thing is this the first time they've been in the playoffs or relevant in quite a long time since Barkley. Yikes. Isn't that like I mean, 20 years ago? They've been in the playoffs since then, but they haven't been really, really relevant since Barkley. There was a time they had Steve Nash and a few other really good players on their team, but they never really made it that far in the playoffs. When they had Barkley, they made it to the finals against Jordan. So that was in 1992, I believe. Okay. And you, yep. is the... All of Phoenix feeling pretty confident about their squad this year. Most people in Phoenix don't really care about basketball or the Suns anymore. They were so bad. Imagine, like, think about how many people care about the Timberwolves right now. Not many. That's how we felt about the Suns for the past, like, five years. So that's how everyone's felt about them. So (laughs) Uh, That's kind of hopeless, isn't it? Yeah. They were as bad as the Timberwolves are now, but they didn't have, like, Carl Anthony Towns on their team. There was no bright spots like Booker getting picked up was their bright spot. So that was like the first little one. And then we've they've had like little steps since then to where they are right now, which they picked up Chris Paul offseason. Now they're, you know, two years ago, whatever. Now they're doing really well. So Hmm. is LeBron just getting too old or what? What's going on with him? He is 36 years old. He's been 
Jeez. I mean, he's still fucking really good, but you can tell he just can't do it by himself. So it's the same with Jordan. He would have never been able to do it by himself. If he needs, you know, good people around him, just like Jordan does, you know, like LeBron needs decent players to play with him to keep the heat off of him so that he could do his great things. So it's one of those deals. Uh, I was watching, uh, I know you're a fan of 30 for 30, and I was watching that uh, Year of the Scabs. Did you watch that one? No, is that the new one? I I don't know how old it is, but it's so depressing. But some of the scabs are like so kind of arrogant. It's kind of funny. I did. Uh, I think I heard you guys talking about it maybe on Bumblebutt. Yeah. Um, there was the one where you were talking about the guy, like the movie replacements. There was a guy who actually got released from prison to go play football. He played one quarter. Then they threw his ass back in jail. <laughs> something like that. Yeah, he... Like I was pretty funny. Holy yeah. shit! Uh, I talked about on Bubble Butt to the uh, the U about the University yeah. of Miami. Ah, uh, yeah, that one was. They kind of cleaned up the image a little bit for the documentary, but it still made me laugh. Yeah, I actually just rewatched Cocaine Cowboys. So. Oh, was Michael Irvin in it? Uh, they were talking about the Miami <laughs> Dolphins. Uh, they were also talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers playing in the Super Bowl. But no, they didn't bring up any specific players. So, is it? Have you watched the second one? The second Cocaine Cowboys. Yeah. Well, I know that there's two. Um, I've watched the one that's mostly about La Madrina, the Godmother. I feel like I watched the second one, and it is like really different. Um, mm. Yeah, it's just about other people. I think I don't I don't know. I feel like did you watch Narcos? I've watched a little bit of it. Okay. So you watch I think it's the first maybe first and second season. Awesome. Then they go to a completely different cartel people and it's just it's not the same. And that's probably how Cocaine Cowboys, you know, kind of is. First one's really yeah. good. Second one not so much. They try to liven it up, like get that spark back. Yeah. Yeah, uh, not great. Uh, also, before we get in here, I would highly recommend A Quiet Place to Phil. You wouldn't have seen that as well. I was actually kind of surprised you wouldn't have seen it. Uh, yes, I did. But uh, yeah, excellent. Go and see it. Pretty good scenes in there. I got a few of them. Like the theater I was in had like the base where it shakes the whole fucking theater. So yep. like when one of them pops out and like hits something or whatever. Oh, I was going to say, I uh, so I ended up going to the AMC that has the the big red seats where you're like the recliner seats. I will say I'm not going to miss much from the pandemic, but I will miss the social distancing where it is mandatory that no one sits next to you. It yeah. was amazing. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. yeah. Like it was a the, it was a packed house. Like I bought like one of the last single seats in the theater. But there was only like maybe a third capacity and it was fucking awesome. I loved it. Like, honestly, it was great. Most of the time when I go to the theater, I end up sitting next to just some big smelly motherfucker who brought in his own weird food. Like, I always end up sitting next to the worst person in the theater. (laughs) This time I had two empty seats to my left and one empty seat to my right. It was fucking amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I had the same scenario. Uh, The place I was at... They like you would order your food before you went in and then they'd bring it to your seat or whatever. Oh, 
I kind of fucked up because I thought I'd get a lot of quesadilla with their quesadillas. Mm -hmm. And the people I was with got pizzas. Well, their pizzas were huge and beautiful and filling. And here they bring out my tiny ass little quesadilla. (laughs) My God damn it. And it costed more than the fucking pizza. Your street quesadillas. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't. uh, So I was quite hungry. uh, Yeah. Still, but anyway, it was <laughs> lesson learned. Get a fucking pizza next time. Yeah. Anyway, Phil, we've been rambling on here. Why don't you, uh, you're going to give you the reins. You go ahead and take us on an adventure here. All right. Well, let's get started. Since the evolution of modern humans and the dawn of civilization, humans have sought the answers to the same complex questions that still puzzle us to this day. Why are we here? What is our purpose on this earth? What happens to us after our death? Who or what created us? And will the Vikings ever win the Super Bowl? No, absolutely not. Definitely not. Now, these are the great questions that have plagued mankind for millennia. Now, because of these questions and the inability of most people to accept a question that remains unanswered, Ancient civilizations from around the world would resort to creating entire religious orders and the deities that those faiths are centered around, along with their creation stories, codes of conduct, burial rites, and the afterlife from which you would reside in after your death. So, you know what the funny thing is? The way you listed those last things there... I don't know why. All I could I could think about is if you were like I don't know the Catholic Church had like a corporate office and you're going yeah. in for orientation and they have a shitty little slideshow. It's like first we're gonna examine creation stories and then there's just like just a terrible corporate orientation class. Just like the movie Waiting, where the dude had to sit yep. through those fucking movies <laughs> yeah. in that back room. Yeah. My favorite was uh, when I was interviewing or whatever, training at Sam's Club. Hmm. <laughs> and they. <laughs> this was back in 2005, I believe. So they had pretty, not great computers, mm-hmm. but they're making you watch the Why Walmart's Amazing thing. And yeah. they're like, ooh, those unions, they're so evil. You don't <laughs> want them. Otherwise, you won't be able to get your job done and you won't be able to make money and all of this shit. Like, it was so much propaganda. I was like dying laughing. Those unions are going to make you give up over half of your paycheck to them. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's so terrible. (laughs) Did they do a little like have a little little actors doing like the evil, probably gangsters, I'm guessing, coming in, taking Uh, your money? We see at that time they just had still pictures. So oh, okay, gotcha. There, there were like one of their examples, and I'm not kidding you, was like, oh, if you spill something on the ground, you can't just pick it up. You got to go talk to your corporate or your <laughs> union foreman, and he's got to get somebody to clean that mess up. What? <laughs> it's like talking about how much of an inconvenience that would be. Yeah, exactly. It's probably meant to be like if it was some kind of toxic spill, like Walmart would want you to clean that shit up. But a union rep would want you to, you know, have somebody in a biohazard suit. Clean uh, well, they're not taking claim of them wanting <laughs> you to clean up a toxic substance, even though they definitely will. Anyway, that's yeah. uh, neither here nor there. We're talking about. <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot of rambling. Too. Right, right, right. Now, however, 
these religions would also need a little something extra. And that would be a prophet, the chosen one, who can hear the messages from the gods or God and tell their people about the good news. And much like the Marvel comic books and movie series that's come out in recent years, every superhero needs a really good origin story. Oh, yeah. Now, the prophet that I'm going to discuss today is a man who lived in the ancient lands of Persia named Zarathustra Spitama, translated and pronounced Zoroaster by the Greeks, in what is thought to be possibly northeastern Iran, from a time period ranging from as early as 1500 BCE all the way up to possibly in the 6th century BCE. Okay, so here's a real question. If you are a prophet and you want to make an origin story, do you make it yourself or do you outsource it to maybe somebody with a more creative imagination? That's a good question. Um, it's kind of one of those deals. I'll be getting onto it like way, way later on oh, in this episode. Okay. But it's kind of one of those deals where maybe you created the religion, but someone else is going to come up with your origin story and it may be like centuries or a century after your death. So kind of like Scientology. I mean, they are <laughs> rewriting it as we speak. Yeah. Kind of, you know, kind of rewriting old Elrond's fucking uh, origin stories. They're rewriting as we speak. Yeah, spice it up. Oh, definitely. You got to take away all of that, like, weird boat stuff. You know, you wipe that <laughs> shit out. Just get that out of the record. <clears throat> I wonder if they've changed it for, like, him. He doesn't have horse teeth. He has, like, perfect <laughs> teeth. They, they replace a picture of his... In his picture, they replace his teeth with just Tom Cruise's teeth. <laughs> or one day they say, El I bet in 500 years, they're going to say L. Ron Hubbard was Tom Cruise. You know, like, And this was him, and it'll just be Tom Cruise. I, I do believe they are expecting a reincarnation of uh, L. Ron, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, because that's also kind of the thing, too, is... You kind of see the whole whitewashing of the original, like the actual person who maybe did a great thing. You see this throughout history. You, They really take him and they completely change him to whatever narrative that they want. Like the, the future generations, whatever they want to push, they completely make him that person. Right. So whatever great man or woman or whoever did some great thing or created some great like city or religion, whatnot, they definitely do change those people. Right, absolutely. Now, according to surviving records, mainly the Avesta, the Zoroastrian holy book, and the Pavlavi books, and other books of Zoroastrian origin, Zarathustra Spitama, is that when he was born to the Spitama family, to parents Parasuspa and Dugvadva. I, I, Excellent. I, you, you nailed it. I nailed it. it. I have no idea how to pronounce that. It's... <laughs> It's not even weird for him. Was a, he was a middle child of five. He had two elder and two younger brothers. The Spatama family is thought to have been pretty well off as Zoroaster was an educated man and he hadn't been sent off to work at an early age. Uh, the only job that he supposedly really ever had was that of joining the, the clergy, which could be very lucrative as we will be discussing in a few minutes. So you're balling right now if you're in the clergy. Like you're, oh, yeah. you're killing it. Yeah, you would be uh, doing pretty well for yourself if you're in the clergy at this time. 
Uh, I'll explain why in, in a little bit, but okay. definitely. Uh, if you are, his father was also part of the clergy, which is kind of how he got into the family business, which kind of explains why they were wealthy. Interesting. Okay. I just want to say something. I don't know the the P-lettered name. I'm assuming is possibly his mother. Um, I've never. That's actually his father. Oh, that's his father. Yeah. I've never really seen a name that literally only has like four letters in it but it's a repeat of four letters that is now like 17 <laughs> letters long. That's that guy's yeah. name. Holy hell. Yeah, there's nine letters, and there's only four uh, only four letters that are actually used, <laughs> but the word is 10 letters long. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of weird. It's very, it's very Orasaspa. Orasaspa, yeah. something like that. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah, I don't know. It sounds like something you cheer at the bar. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, it's actually pretty good. Now, according to the Avesta, the ancient Persian or Aryan religions of the time centered around a pantheon of gods, most notably Ahura Mazda, the leader of the group of gods and white spirits. Now, he would try to give wisdom and good tidings to the human race. He would also fight against the opposition leader. Angra Manyu and his horde of demons and evil spirits, which combated the good that Ahura Mazda aimed to do, corrupting every gift that Ahura Mazda would try to give to humanity. Now, these two sides were in a nonstop war over the earth, with the human race stuck in between. Look, I'm going to say it's kind of awesome. You've got, you know, hordes of demons and evil spirits and Angra fighting mm-hmm. off against a car that's awesome so <laughs> yeah ahura mazda that's the uh the latest model of mazda yeah it's, Pro- it's probably only got three wheels but... mid mid-size suv um yeah. yeah it's wow okay i kind of i kind of like that so this i mean if we're being real though pretty much the copy pasta of all religions good guy battling bad guy bad guy has hell demons good guys looking out for humanity right same old tale we always hear yeah definitely i will kind of say like explain it a little bit later but it all of this becomes pretty important towards the end okay all right yeah now the ancient persian religion from which the zoroastrian religion spawned from was actually an offshoot of the religion of the Indo-European or Indo-Aryan people's religions, which they brought to Iran during the migration uh, when they moved all over Europe, also to the Near East and to India. Now, another offshoot of that same religion was actually Hinduism or Hindu which was a blend of those same proto-Aryan religions and many different local belief systems from the Indus region, which occurred around, they say, about 1500 BCE. Really? That is fascinating, actually. I would have never guessed uh, Hinduism would have came from, I guess, whatever the hell, this Zoroastrianism well, or whatever? They think that these peoples are from around the Black Sea regions. So these people, is they not a lot of people really know them. Uh, there's actually a language called Proto-Indo-European, Pi, which they think most of the European and Central and Near East Asian languages actually spawned from. Like the, it's the grandfather language of all the languages. 
uh, minus like the African languages and the Himalayas kind of cut off India from China, Japan, and Korea. So a lot of those languages are, um, they were kind of quarantined from this Indo-European language, but also those people's religion was very influential on all of the regions of Europe and uh, Central Asia. What about uh, South America? Well, the thing is, so they were quarantined for different reasons. So like, I don't know if it was like 10 to 20,000 years ago when the, who would become a net, like the native Americans, the indigenous peoples of North and South America and the Caribbean, those people were kind of quarantined on those on the whole hemisphere when the Bering Strait land bridge kind of flooded again when the water rose back up that's when their languages kind of formed gotcha are they are they then going all in they've confirmed that there used to be a land bridge there well during the ice age obviously the water was a lot lower and there was also ice caps covering that okay. area so I, that's I, how they walked across. I did. I didn't think they've like actually confirmed it, but that was like a very strong hypothesis or theory of what had happened. Oh, I thought they. I thought they had confirmed confirmed that theory, but I might be wrong about that. I was just in school. I was just always taught that that was fact. So I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It probably is. It, I mean, it, it it literally makes the most sense of how people. <laughs> got over to uh, North America. There's really no other way to get over here back then, right? Yeah, unless they were Mormon or, True. you know. <laughs> they just walked in water. Maybe Jesus yeah. just flew them over here. That could be it. Greatest American yeah. that ever lived, Jesus Christ. Yep, Jesus, you know, he was born in Missouri. So. <laughs> now, because this early religion was based on oral tradition and Zoroastrian inherited and took over for the ancient Persian religion, we're not exactly sure how they conducted their services, but we do know from the Avesta, the Zoroastrian Holy Scriptures, was that their services were probably conducted outside and done at what are known as fire temples. They would have also been presided over by the Magi, or priestly class. Now, during these services, the believers were expected to make sacrifices and give offerings to Ahura Mazda and other gods often coming in the form of maybe grains, livestock, precious metals, uh, maybe precious items. These, however, were to be kept by the priest. And you can imagine that this made the priestly class considerably wealthy. Yeah, just a little bit there. So definitely, here's the thing. Number one, fire temple, ocarina yep. of time. Are we thinking the same thing? <laughs> <laughs> kind of actually the zoroastrian one of the one of the symbols still kind of is like the the big uh it's a big vase with fire in it kind of like the fire temple symbol oh yeah so fire yeah. and water are very important in uh zoroastrian kind of you know tenants that'd be kind of sweet like though that. if they had all these fire temples and then like mazda actually look like that like skinny dragon you have to hit over the head <laughs> with the fucking hammer in that game Dude, that'd oh, be yeah. sick. <laughs> yep. And there was also just a little flute. Like <laughs> yeah. in all of their pottery and all of their like carvings and everything, there was just a little weird ocarina <laughs> flute. Here's the other thing too. Magi, right? Yes. Maybe this is just from like modern day fantasy things. But when I hear magi, I think of like a, a magician, right? Like 
he can cast spells or whatever. Not necessarily a priest. A priest, I think of more like I don't. I don't different types of magic. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it is kind of weird. There was some Greek writings um, long after the fact, long after Zoroast, um, Zarahustra, Zoroaster, whatever you want to call them. There were some Greek writings about Zoroaster being the first magi. Oh. So I don't know if it possibly like the whole idea of like magician and magic kind of came from like this, or if it was attributed to this religion or whatnot, how that all goes. I did just read while I was reading about kind of how Zoroaster influenced the Greeks. So he did call him the first Magi. So it's a little weird. It's it's, it's interesting to think about when you think about all the Greek gods and stuff. And Mm. like, they probably didn't think any of that sounds magical. Does that make sense? Like it was the just Greek, like the Greek gods and stuff. They wouldn't think that the Greek sound mad that the Greek gods sound magical. Well, I mean, that's kind of what you made it sound like. If you're calling him the first magi, and they're talking about whatever gods or uh, Zeus turning into a bull and having sex with women or whatever. Do do you know what, oh. what I'm saying? I think it was meaning more like human magician. Okay. Like, or a human to do some things. Okay. But I'm not exactly sure like kind of where it comes from. But Interesting. It's just like if we think about it now, like that the gods doing stuff sounds like literally like a magic show going on. But to them, it was just pure fact. But if this guy yeah. comes in, probably a charlatan. All of a sudden, he <laughs> can wield magic. Do you know what I'm saying? It's yeah, just, it's I, just like, I can see what you're saying. Yeah, it's just yeah. a weird perspective, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean, it's kind of weird. I was also going to mention too. So when we think about things being sacrificed, I you like in my mind, whenever I hear about like, oh, there was a grain sacrifice, or you sacrifice, you know, like precious gems, or do this kind of stuff. Or like a human sacrifice. You think of like them being destroyed, especially if you take something to the fire temple. You would think if I'm sacrificing something at the fire temple, I'm destroying it. The weird thing is, it seems like you would sacrifice something at the altar of these fire temples. And then the priest would just say, okay, thanks. And then just pick it up and walk away with it, (laughs) you know. Well, um, so is the Catholic <laughs> woven basket a sacrifice basket that they pass around <laughs> and scoop up all that money from everybody in the church? Everyone, everyone needs to show that they love God and sacrifice their money. Okay, so you're gonna like burn it or something, right? Get rid of it? No, no, no. I'm just, uh, I'm gonna go help people with it. Yeah, that's what I'm gonna do. So it's fine. <laughs> Father Michael has some serious coke dick, and he needs to keep this fucking <laughs> coke. coke we need to keep going. this train rolling. <laughs> yeah. Already becoming a priest in his teenage years, Zarathustra, though taking part in the religious ceremonies because of his priestly duties, never really liked the idea of object sacrifice. And he really kind of just found the idea to be in opposition of like the goodness of the gods that he okay. perceived. Okay, so this is a little bit more progressive than the old school priests clearly just doing this to collect wealth for themselves. Yes, definitely, yeah. He really didn't think that people giving up their objects to the priestly class should have been a thing. He definitely thought it was more your deeds and your, you know, your goodwill that should be sacrificed. 
Okay, interesting. I like that. Yeah, not exactly. We're not exactly sure at what point he figured that out, but you're going to hear it come up here in a second. Okay. Now, at the age of 30, Zarathustra had a vision while praying by a river at the Festival of the Rites of Spring. It was kind of a cleansing ritual that he was doing. The vision that he had was of a brightly lit entity appearing in front of him and calling itself Vahu Maha which means good mind or possibly good purpose. The entity claimed to be a messenger of Ahura Mazda, and he led Zarathustra to discover Ahura Mazda and his six spiritual beings called Amisha Spentas, which were kind of akin to like really like light spirits or archangels. Mm, okay. Kind of like his helpers in good. Gotcha. Good deeds. Okay. So this is like... Azura Mazda would be like Terry Bradshaw and his Amisha Spentas would be like his offensive line. Yes, exactly. Kind of, that is of. exactly how the internet sites put it too. So, uh, Yes, I'm just trying to relate this definitely. back to the cult of Terry Bradshaw and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, definitely. Now the message that these entities told Zarathustra was that there was only one true God and that was Ahura Mazda. And that Zarathustra's people were dead wrong about the way in which they worshipped the god. That the sacrifice of possessions and animals wasn't really what they needed to be doing at all. And that the only sacrifice that Ahura Mazda was actually interested in was that of moral behavior. Okay, all right. So that's not bad. I mean, you know, when you first talk about this guy, I was figuring, you know, instantly my head went to not good but mm. this guy, maybe the one God thing is kind of weird. Um, they always seem to be, it seems like a lot of religions don't like more than one God sometimes. But uh, um, yeah, this is, uh, I, he's, is, so you think he's just trying to do this, get people to uh, act better, I guess? Quit well, giving all this shit away? I don't know exactly why or like if he's doing it for selfish reasons, if he's doing it because he thinks that he can change the way that maybe the priests are taking advantage of the people. I kind of, in my mind, I'm thinking he is worried that his people are being taken advantage of by the priestly class. I also think that he may have had possibly some influences. I'll talk about it later a little bit. Okay. He might have had some Eastern influences in his life that maybe helped him kind of meld some things from Hindu also into uh, his old school, the old school Persian religions. So gotcha. he might have picked some stuff up and kind of melded everything together, too. I wonder, you know, it, it, I'd love to know once this guy starts telling everybody he had this wild vision, right? Yeah. Did just everybody believe him, you think? Or is there just <laughs> there had to be a few people who are like, shut up, Zara. Yeah. Zara. Shut up, Zarathustra. That's probably what they were saying to his ass. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we're going to talk about it in about half second here. Okay. But, so <laughs> that is exactly what happened, though. <laughs> so Zarathustra immediately began preaching the message from the vision that he had received, which, of course, brought him into direct conflict with the Magi that made up the clergy of his Persian religion. They were not about to accept the divine vision of a young priest, especially one that would not only topple their perch atop the social structure, but also 
put an end to the lucrative sacrifices and literally rip the bottom out of their overfilled purses. Ooh, they don't like that. Definitely not. No. I mean, that would essentially be like when you're making a sacrifice at the Catholic Church and they pass the basket around, if there was another basket inside that basket that somebody else was taking. You know, like he's dipping in on their money. Yes, their (laughs) sacrifices here. Definitely, yeah. Well, it's almost like it's a young it's almost like it's the Catholic Church and there's a young priest who comes in and says, you know what's kind of dumb? Everyone giving us money. Why don't we just make this about God and not about Mm. money? He would be the fuck out of there. They would kick his ass out so hard and so fast. The fucking little collar thing would probably fly off his neck. (laughs) Is this kind of like cool priests or cool pastors, I'd say, where they're like, we don't sing with an organ and shit. I got a guitar here and we're going (laughs) to sing together because we're cool. This is let's make God cool, guys. (laughs) He turns like pop songs from five years ago into religious songs. Oh, no. Yeah, that shit. I can't do it. Yeah, exactly. So Zarathustra's wife obviously was threatened, and his family even disowned him for doing this. This effectively banished him from his homelands, forced him to move himself out of the area. Now, he would receive guidance from other visions along the way, uh, which would really just send him to the lands of King Vishtaspa, where he would be announced in front of the king's court and, and even give his vision in front of the king himself. He also gave his vision to the highest clergy in the king's court, whom, much like the priest in his hometown, scoffed at the ideas put forth by Zarathustra. Okay. He has the attention of the king, at least, right? I mean, I'm assuming the king will trump any of the clergymen, at least. Yeah. Eventually... Uh, he will get the king on board, yes. But okay. it's uh, it's kind of a hard sell because you got to think King Vashtaspa doesn't know this motherfucker at all. This dude just shows up. It's like Rasputin just showing up in your court, you know, just telling you all this crazy shit. So yeah, and I'm 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 gonna guess this guy doesn't have the big dick energy like Rasputin did, literally. Maybe, I mean, he does pretty well for himself, so he might have big dick energy. <laughs> yeah. Nothing in the Avestas says anything about big dick energy, though. Yeah. So we don't know for sure. Well, we know that's what gave Rasputin his power. This region, is there literally just one king for the whole area, or is this like he, because you kind of made it seem like he went into a different area. So is he going into like a different kingdom kind of thing? Yeah, so this king is actually in what's known as Bactrium. It's a different region of kind of like this whole, uh, like the Iran, uh, Iran, Iraq, kind of like that whole region of Pakistan. Uh, there's a region inside of it called Bactrium, and that's where this king Vishtaspa supposedly lives at. Gotcha. Kind of in that region. It's all in Iran. Okay. It's just the area how- we know now as Iran. Just how it used to be split up. Yeah, so it, I mean, obviously there's a bunch of different like kingdoms and stuff like that. Everything was pretty split up back then. Gotcha, okay. Yeah, the problem is we don't really know when this King Vishdaspa lived. Uh, Like I said, anywhere between the 1500s to about the maybe 600s BCE. Um, There are some people who think that maybe he lived like as, you know, 
not too long ago, like about Cyrus the Great, when uh, the um, Ecmedian Empire was around. I said that name totally wrong, too. So but basically with, you know, it's the Persian Empire. Okay. So, All right. I was like, I had, I don't really know what you're talking about, but I'm going. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, it's what most people really know about the Persians is what the Greeks talk about with the Persians. Okay. So, gotcha. Yeah. Now this caused King Vishdaspa to challenge Zarathustra to a debate. This was against his top court priests, which Zarathustra won by disproving all of the clergyman's arguments wrong. He was also claiming that they were worshiping false gods. He would never concede his position, even after King Vishdaspa had him in prison for his heretical beliefs. Ooh, um, how cringy do you think this argument would have been to watch? Oh, pretty fucking cringy. Yeah. Definitely yeah. wouldn't have wanted to hang around to listen to it. This is seriously like if you were to put a fucking cardinal and arguing with someone from the LDS church or something like whatever. I don't know. I don't know the positions of the church of LDS, but one of the higher ups are just arguing about each other's gods. It's just, I, no one wants to hear it. Yeah. I kind of uh, think of it more like maybe an atheist mm. and like a super religious person who has kind of like young earth creationist beliefs arguing on YouTube. Oh no. Kind of like as cringy as that. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, no. Now, after some prayer and guidance while imprisoned, Zarathustra gained a vision on how to prove himself to King Vishtaspa and, more importantly, prove his cause. Now, he would do this by healing the king's most prized horse of the paralysis that it suffered. And this would, in fact, gain the king's favor, proving that Ahura Mazda was the one true god. In response to Zarathustra's miraculous healing of the horse, King Vishdashba had the clergyman that opposed him in that debate executed, and he would make the teachings of Zoroaster the state religion. Jesus, okay, that's a bit extreme there. Uh, yep. He just had them all killed. <laughs> for you, gotta, you gotta remember, this was the biblical times. True. This was, uh, true, yeah. true, very true. This was true. not fucking around times, so. Okay, so if he didn't prove, it's weird that he got imprisoned for you know speaking heretical right um but these guys were all executed just because he decided that guy was telling the truth yes kind of apparently apparently these court priests were never able to heal the most prized horse so he probably you know went with the guy who could do that i'm guessing okay i wonder how i wonder what was really wrong with the horse yeah, it's kind of one of those things. I'm going to talk about it a little bit. Um, so remember how I was saying how really it's future generations that kind of build up the, these prophets. Like they build their origin gotcha. story more and more. Healing this horse might be part of the the building up uh, from later generations. I so, see. Okay. Yeah. I could definitely see that. You got to remember too. I'm going to mention it uh, a couple more times. A lot of this was oral history. A lot of it, I mean, it was never like the Persians. They didn't really write things down unless it was like weights and measures or money, monetary stuff. They really didn't write down their history or their religions or their practices. So a lot of it was just oral tradition passed down. So things could easily be changed when it's all oral tradition. 
Okay. So. Okay. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Definitely. So according to ancient Zoroastrian tradition, Zarathustra gained a seat in King Vistaspa's court and lived the rest of his life creating the tenets and rites of the Zoroastrian religion, which King Vistaspa would end up having two copies transcribed and put onto gold tablets. Now, of the religious tenets that Zoroaster came up with, here are the five main tenets. There is only one God who reigns supreme, Ahura Mazda. Ahura Mazda is all good. His eternal opponent, Angramanyu, is all evil. Goodness is made apparent through good thoughts, good words, and good deeds. Each individual has free will to choose between good and and evil. Mm, okay. Okay. I, I, I dig it. I feel like the first two could have probably been combined into one. Um, but, uh, yeah, but you know what, whatever he's, he needs five of them. You have to do what you gotta do. Yeah. It's kind of like the 10 commandments, how, uh, the first two are pretty much just about God. Mm. And, you know, I mean, well, I don't really know the 10 commandments that well, but I know there's one that says like, don't worship any God except for me and all that false idol kind of stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's a, uh, he's a very jealous God, isn't he? Yeah. Pretty much. Oh yeah. Mr. Mr. Mazda here seems a little, little bit of a jealous God too, to be honest with you. Oh yeah. And I mean, you'll see where, um, our God might get his jealousy if it's, if he's taken after Ahura Mazda. Gotcha. So. All right. Yeah. One of the things I should say, like a pretty important part of what Zoroaster kind of brought to this, you know, these Persian religions, what he brought to Zoroastrianism is the idea that it's kind of a, it's a fight between good and evil and people are either on one side. You're either with the Hura Mazda or you're with the rebellion. It's your choice. It's free will is the biggest part of it. Like the biggest part of all of this religion is free will. Okay. So, All right. I mean, that's a good principle, though. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's why it made it into so many other religions. So mm. Now, one of the main things that he did not steal from the old Persian faith was the material and animal sacrifice. Uh, that's basically what got him kicked out of his homeland in the first place. Also, he really wanted to cut back on the drinking of Homa. What the hell is that, Phil? So Homa is basically kind of this weird drink. Uh, according to Zoroastrian myth or legend, whatever you want to call it, it bestows essential vital qualities, health, fertility. It gives husbands for maidens and even grants immortality. I'm pretty sure I've seen them selling selling this behind yes. the counter at a uh, gas station. Yeah, it's about, <laughs> what, $9, $9 and yeah. uh, comes in those little little vials. Yeah. yeah, like the make your dick extra hard things. Yep. Oh my god. <laughs> they got a picture of a horse on the on the front of it. Yeah. Yeah. So stupid. <laughs> yeah. So I was trying to look this up, trying to figure it out. Um, some people think it might be like an intoxicant. Some people think it might be like like psychosyllabin mushrooms. You know, the um, cause like a mental like some weird effect. But they didn't really think it was like a hallucinogen. So it's one of these weird things where we don't really know exactly what it is. I mean, if I had to take a shot in the dark, I'm going to guess it's literally just a bunch of shit mixed together. And then, you know, they just said it did all this stuff and people believed it. And it just 
you know, snake oil. That'd be my guess. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, like how many religions use some weird food substance or drink or like some liquid and claim it has magical powers? I mean, it's it's in like all of them. Oh yeah. Oh, like uh, peyote comes to mind. That's and what religion is that? Oh, that's uh, Native American religions oh, in the American yeah. Southwest use peyote. It was uh, I think there's like a it's like a cactus that you boil. Yeah. And it sends you to the spirit world yeah. pretty much, which it gets you high as fuck and, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, in my mind, I was kind of thinking when I first saw this drink, I was thinking it might be maybe one of those plants that has a lot of DMT in it, kind of like how they do like ayahuasca now. I was thinking maybe it's one of those type of plants, but I couldn't really find anything about it being like hallucinogenic. So... It's a little, mm. it's weird, but yeah, I could see what you're saying about maybe it's just something that like they claim that it does all of these things. I mean, I mean, that's just my guess because it's falling in that perfect time frame where you can, you know, that diamond human issue where you can literally just tell them yeah. this grass will help your health and fertility. You know, it's just like, I mean, it can be pretty easily disproven. You're not immortal. I mean, you don't. Oh, yeah. You don't need when to be you, tripping balls to <laughs> prove that. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Greeks had the food of the gods, which was ambrosia, and it's one of those deals where it's kind of this food that you're told about that does all these great things. So people are trying to find this food, and you know what I mean. It's it basically actually ambrosia, from what it sounds like, gives you the same things that uh, this Homa was giving you too. So gotcha. Okay. Now, if these tenets look at all familiar, that is because it is believed that the Zoroastrian religion highly influenced the creation of future monotheistic religion, Judaism. Basically, Judaism in turn would also influence then Christianity and Islam. Those three make up the Abrahamic religions. Okay. I mean, that was kind of my first guess. Even from hearing you talk about this, like you can see the bones of those religions out of it, you know? Yes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, parts of it, I did kind of like let you peek into the box and, you know, mm -hmm. see the cat in there. But <laughs> yeah, it is kind of easy to see when you hear all this. There's a lot of connections that you can make with right. future monotheistic religions. Right. Now, this is it's possible. This may have happened when Cyrus the Great freed the Jewish people from their captivity in Babylon in 539 BCE. Now, they probably would have picked up the teachings of Zoroastrianism while they were captive by the Persians. After they were freed, they were returned to their homeland of Judea. After they had returned would be the time when they would reconstruct the temple and write the Torah, which is the Jewish holy book. Okay, I thought Judaism was way older than that. Judaism is way older than that. But the Torah was built after they were freed from Babylon. So you're saying this is just a oh, this is just a theory that I picked up from the Internet. OK, so it's not I'm not saying 100 percent for sure. It's there's a theory that because they were influenced by the Persians, that this is where they picked up their Zoroastrian kind of monotheism and so maybe the, put it into the Torah. I'm not saying it's 100 percent. So the so yeah. what you're saying is if we have Judaism, 
them getting this is kind of like a DLC pack. It's just an add-on to yes. the original religion. Okay. That's the kind of weird thing about religion is if you bring a religion into an area or to a people, the religion doesn't come to those com- people completely. They like to add in their own religion, their own flair to it. So it's kind of like with Santeria and kind of all like how Christianity was melded into a lot of like the African religions when the slaves were brought over. It's kind of like that same exact thing. So right. like all those religions in like Jamaica and everything. Right. I mean, come on, you're not going to move into a furnished house and not change it to the way you like it. You got to customize these things. Yeah, definitely. It's I mean, they're going to add in the stuff that they like. Right. And they're going to keep the good stuff from you, but add in the stuff that they like and kind of mix it all together. You know? Right. Right. In fact, the ideas of heaven, hell, redemption, judgment day angels and demons, a single God and the satanic figure that go along with him are all thought to have been taken originally from the Zoroastrian religion. There is even a final battle between the side of Ahura Mazda and his six angels, which of course represent good, against the side of Angra Manu, along with his demons and evil spirits, which of course represent evil. Mm. Yeah, sounds like a uh, familiar tale. Yeah, exactly. Really, you can pick out a lot of the stuff with Zoroastrian uh, religion and kind of pick up into where you might find some things from like the Abrahamic religions. Right. Or um, if you remember the game Diablo. Yes, of course. Uh, That's very similar to their lore in the video game as well. Actually, very similar. Uh, yeah. for for how humanity and the demons and all that got created. So, damn you, Blizzard, you copying this. <laughs> copying bastards. Yeah. Zoroaster's going to come back from the past and just sue Blizzard. <laughs> well, they have that one magician, the necromancer, Zolo something <laughs> another, or Zora mm. some. Maybe they took that name. I don't know. Could be. Who knows? Yeah, I haven't played it in quite a while, though. So. Mm. Now, there are also some similarities with Islam. Uh, You remember I told you that story about the messenger, Vahu Maha. Well, that's very similar to Islamic folklore tales, I guess you would call it, tenements of Archangel Gabriel coming to Muhammad with his uh, message from God. Uh, They also have praying multiple times a day and covering one's head during prayer. Gotcha. Okay. Did Gabriel have a flying horse too or no? No, I don't believe that Gabriel had a flying horse. If you ever watch any movies about like with God and angels in it, Gabriel's always the messenger God. Yeah. He's the blonde one, right? Uh, Sometimes he's blonde. I don't, I'm not sure exactly. I've never met him in real life. So (laughs) I just figured they'd always depict him as like the blonde one. He kind of looks like I don't like an 80s action star kind of. That's what I always envision uh, when I see pictures of him. Okay, yeah. Michael's well, the anti-demon one, right? Well, Michael's the uh, the one that sent Satan down into hell. Hell, okay. He's got the big sword, I think. Yeah, well, <laughs> he's, he's the one who's got, usually I think it's a spear. Oh, it's a spear, okay. I think it's usually a spear and a shield. But yeah, there's... Uh, Gabriel, Michael, Beelzebub, and then there's another archangel. I'm not really sure what the Beelzebub. next one is. Beelzebub? He's a bad guy. 
Satan. Yeah, he was an archangel. Mm, uh, yeah, but we change. They change it. Yeah, I guess they've even modified that because then they have Satan and then they have or Satan is Beelzebub, and then in other yeah. ones they're separate. And I, it's too much. Yeah. Now, as for the rest of Zoroaster's wife, he supposedly had three wives and six children after joining the king's court. And he would live to supposedly the ripe old age of 77, dying of natural causes, though one tradition does claim that he was assassinated by a priest of the old Persian religious order. Uh, This was for, of course, destroying the old ways and allowing Zoroastrianism to spread. I could see the latter. Yeah, definitely. Somebody coming in, you know, like Zoroaster's got his hand in that guy's pocket. He's all pissed off because he can't buy the nice camel that year. So. Now, according to legend, when the conqueror, Alexander the Great, had conquered Persia, the gold tablets were disassembled with the parts that were considered important to the Greeks taking back to the Greek peninsula and the rest scattered. After the end of the Hellenistic rule, the Assadians, I probably said that wrong, ruled the Persian lands starting really in the third century CE. Uh, themselves being dethroned in 651 CE when Muslim invaders came to the lands now known as Iran and began destroying the fire temples, all of the religious monuments, and all of the Zoroastrian libraries. Now, this was obviously in an effort to forcibly conform people of that land to their belief, which was Islam. Now, however, the Avesta and some of the other important religious texts would be saved when the Parsis, who were refugees that had escaped the lands and moved into the continent of India, fled along with their holiest of texts. The Parsis actually still to this day are an ethno-religious group that call India home. Hmm, okay. So the people still practice this to this day? Yes, there is a, a small group of people that still practice what shot what the offshoot of zoroastrianism hmm. they still yeah the parsi people okay do still worship um that religion yes okay all right interesting yeah it's not exactly the same but yeah it's 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 basically the same thing do, they do you think they brought they, it over do you think they still like call the god mazda or whatever yeah okay. they do interesting uh-huh. yeah they still worship that god so the okay. one as their one true god yeah, gotcha. he's okay. he's their creator god. He's just like you know the Christian god. He created everything. That's what they believe. Okay, interesting. Now, one of the biggest reasons, other than the fact that the Persians, like I mentioned before, didn't write down their history as much as historians really would have liked them to, for why we know so little about such an important religious figure, is that the ancient Zoroastrian text keep getting destroyed by sects of conquerors but also successive zoroastrian followers began to deify the ancient religious leader turning him from a human man to the prophet hand chosen by the one true god and this is really what people well some people think about kind of like what happened to the real jesus uh like the deifying of jesus from a normal dude to the godson okay so they over glorified his life a little bit yeah, they kind of gave him a little bit more, a little bit more fire mm-hmm. than maybe like the normal, like human that he actually, if he did exist, that he actually was, you know, they gave him a lot more pep 
to the yeah. story. So yeah, walking on water, turning fish to wine, all of that type of thing. Yeah, well, it's just like with yeah with Jesus. I mean, if there yeah. was a real Jesus, is probably just some dude, right? You know? Right. I doubt he did all the magic tricks and did all the crazy shit, and you know. Well, I mean, the prime example, if anybody wants an example of modern times doing this, we all believe Terry Bradshaw was the best quarterback that ever played football. But if you look at his stats, he was actually quite terrible. Yeah, he was an okay quarterback on a great team. Yeah, definitely. But we but Pittsburgh thinks he's a god like they, you know, they have statues of him and all that. But actually, he wasn't that great. Well, you can't read stats when you can't read them. All they do is they watch the old, you know, shit on ESPN. Classic. True, true. <laughs> Definitely. Now, really, I mean, kind of just along the same lines as Jesus, Moses, Muhammad. Uh, there are some people who actually don't think that Zoroaster actually existed. I kind of want to save this for last. Um, I kind of mentioned it a little bit before. It's it's mostly because there's not a lot of stuff written down about his life outside sources. It's really hard when you don't have any sources from the time period talking about any of this stuff going on. So it's kind of why a lot of people don't believe in Jesus. One of the big things is there's not a lot of history outside the Bible that talks about Jesus or the things that went on in this land. All of the historians from like the lands of Jerusalem and Judea don't really talk about Jesus, you know, so it's kind of one of the reasons, but Zoroaster is a little bit different because I mean, if he was born like 1000 BCE to 1500 BCE, obviously they weren't doing a lot of writing back then. No, no. Is that kind of why the Jews don't think Jesus was a prophet? Well, they kind of treat him like he's uh, like an important person, like maybe a prophet, but not a not a Messiah figure. I know they're still waiting for him to show up. So. Gotcha. Okay. And I know Islam, obviously. They're still waiting for their Dan Marino. <laughs> uh, Islam is? <laughs> no. No. The Jews. They're still oh, waiting for Dan Marino. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I was saying Islam, obviously, they. Uh, I think they view Jesus as a prophet as as well, right? Yeah, like an important religious figure. Yeah. Um, they've already, they already had their, their Messiah figure, uh, Muhammad. So they already had him. There's people who believe that Muhammad wasn't real, which is kind of stupid because he like he did a lot of conquering. Like a lot of people saw him coming. So I, I think that one's a little bit weird though. Like well, I can see I could see Moses definitely. I could see Jesus. I could see Zoroaster. But Muhammad, there's kind of there's quite a bit of uh, evidence for Muhammad actually living. Well, yeah, he could he could have been a real conqueror. I don't know if he necessarily had a flying horse and like thousands of wives uh, or whatever. Isn't that oh, one yeah. of the thing? No, the myth about him, yeah, definitely not true. But the real, him being a real person, I, I, he has to be, they have all of this evidence, you know, history for him. So it's one of those weird things, but right, yeah. Right. Well, maybe they'll find evidence that uh, Moses did actually turn his stick to a snake. Uh, you know, maybe... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that'll pop up somewhere. But anyway, Phil, this is uh, excellent. I figured when you started talking about this guy, like I figured you were going to uh, make a connection between him and like 
literally the modern religions, you know, it's kind of fun to to find those things out because there's a lot of fucking connections, even though I would say most people want to ignore them. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of uh, like new movies, TV shows, a lot of stuff kind of like takes from the old myth. Like, obviously, the Vikings, a lot of the stuff gets taken from them. There's actually quite a bit of stuff that, if you go down deep enough, takes from this religion. So, in pop culture. so Right. Right. I mean, it makes sense. Pretty uh, pretty good story. Uh, if he if he didn't make his own lore story, whoever did, it's, it's not bad. It's, you know, I wouldn't say it's 10 out of 10, you know, but yeah. it, it's a solid 5.5 out of 10, maybe. Yeah, it does suck that the the Muslims came and basically destroyed all of the I mean it sucks anytime there's any ancient library that gets burned to the ground or the ancient, you know, all this ancient history gets destroyed, but it just sucks that it was so thoroughly destroyed that basically they had to escape with just a few of the holy texts that may have existed. Well, so. uh, when you were talking about that, I'm like just imagine over thousands of years how many of these religious buildings have been destroyed and then new ones popped up you do you know what i'm saying it seems like just oh, this yeah. constant cycle of just doing that over and over and over it's just it's pretty just insane like, just like a city with a rich owner and a shitty football team they yeah. just keep getting new stadium after new stadium after new stadium right just right. rebuild 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 all right. Well, if there's any uh, prophets of the said religion who want to reach out and defend their master, where can they do that, Phil? They can hit us up on our email, subliminaldpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we've gotten quite a few emails in the past couple of weeks about, uh, well, the milk conspiracy and about uh, Victoria Day. So really great hearing from fans. Loved it. Well, I mean, we already like talked for quite a bit, but I just want to say uh, we did get a few really, really good emails this past week, and they kind of have to do with the the episode that we just did. So all the way out from Ontario, Canada, uh, we actually had a guy who was giving us a little bit of information on the May long weekend, and apparently it's Victoria Day weekend, and it's also called May 2-4 weekend. So he kind of answered our question there. He actually said, too, that he is a big Molson drinker, and he thought that it was fucking hilarious when we would say Molson's, because apparently we said it funny or <laughs> in some kind of way. I'll tell you what, that's my goal for this weekend, to try to find a liquor store that sells Molson's. Now that I know what it looks like and what I'm looking for, I need to taste this uh, and see see if it's good. Maybe it's the best beer I've ever had. I don't know. Yeah, it'd probably be a little harder for me to find it down here in Phoenix than for you in up in Minnesota. But I would definitely wear like jean shorts and a jean jacket just in honor of uh, of Canada's <laughs> premier beer there. So, ah, uh, yes, maybe I'll have to pull out my denim jacket before I go purchase it. Also, a really great way to get a hold of us on our Instagram, Subliminal Deception Podcast on IG. Uh, let us know what you think. Uh, Cody and I also have our own Instagrams. Mine is sdpodphil. Cody, you got one? Yeah, you can follow my personal Instagram at Sabub. Follow me there. Hit me up. Give me show suggestions if you'd like. Look at my memes, whatever you want to do. Uh, the last thing we need you guys to do is to log on to iTunes and leave the show a pleasant five-star review. 
type your uh, religious lore story for Phil or I. We would really appreciate that. Uh, if you are a Spotify listener, all you got to do is hit that follow button. It's real simple. Um, you know, it, it, you don't have to donate anything. You don't have to sacrifice anything. You just got to hit that uh, follow button on Spotify. So thank you to everybody who's done that. Otherwise, Phil, a uh, beautiful history lesson here. We, I've heard, I learned a lot about something I had no idea even fucking existed. So thank you very much, Phil. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks, guys. 